This is one of my favorite stories, and I've shared this in the past. It's about this older woman who was known by everybody for her bold faith and how she would just talk openly about God. And she would go out on her front porch and, and pray, and sometimes she would get so excited when she was praying, she would say, well, praise the Lord. Well, this really ticked off her next-door neighbor because he was not a man of faith. He didn't believe in God, and whenever she would shout, praise the Lord, he would shout back, lady, there ain't no Lord. Would you just shut up? Well, hard times came to this, this woman, and she prayed passionately that God would meet her needs, and she said, God, you know I need food, so would you please send me some food? Well, the next morning, she walks out on her porch, and right there is a huge bag of groceries. Well, at that point, her neighbor jumps out from behind this bush and says, gotcha, I told you there was no Lord. I bought those groceries. God didn't. And she smiles at her neighbor and says, are you kidding me? God not only sent the groceries, he made the devil pay for them. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Today we're going to talk about a topic that can make us laugh or make us cry. Um, it's a topic that is at the very heart of what the Christian faith is all about. It's something that connects us to the power of God in our lives, and that topic is faith. There's a verse in the Bible that says this, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And yet here's the reality. As much as we would like to live by faith, we often do the exact opposite. We live in fear. And so today I want you to think about this question. What are you afraid of this morning? What kind of fears do you have in your heart? I read a story this week about this guy who was fishing off the coast of Florida and his boat capsized. And he could swim, but he was terrified of saltwater crocodiles. And so he was desperately clinging to his boat. And he sees this guy walking on the shore and he says, Hey, are there any, any crocodiles in these waters? And the guy says, No, haven't been any crocodiles here in years. So the guy feels safe and he starts to swim leisurely toward the shore and he gets about halfway there, and he says, hey, how'd you get rid of the crocodiles? The guy says, we didn't do nothing. Sharks got them. <laughs> what are you afraid of this morning? You know, maybe your, your fears are about your family or your finances or your health or your job or your future. Do you know what is the most often repeated command in all of Scripture? Two words. What are those two words? Many of you know these two words. What are they? Yeah, fear not. Now, it's clear in this book that God wants us not to be afraid. He wants us to live in faith. But how is that possible? I mean, what would it look like? I was talking to somebody after the first service, and I said, what would it really look like to be able to walk through life letting go of our fear and living completely in faith, trusting God with all of our heart. What would that look like, and how could we live that kind of life? That's what we want to look at this morning. So here's the first question that I want to pose. What is faith? That's on your outline. What is faith? Well, here's, I think, a really compelling definition. Fantastic adventure in trusting him, trusting God. This is something that comes from a lady who knows a lot about faith. Her name was Corey Ten Boom. She survived a Nazi concentration camp. And she learned what it meant to trust God with all her heart. There was another man. His name is Paul. He lived in the first century. And he experienced this 
fantastic adventure of, of trusting God when he came to faith in Christ. And he says this in the book of Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. My old life is dead and gone. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Since I decided to follow Jesus, I'm not calling the shots. He is. My life is under new management. The Holy Spirit lives in me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he says this, the life I now live in the body, I live how? What are the next two words? By faith. I live by faith in who? The Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Church, this verse really is what the Christmas story is all about. Jesus comes to our world so that we can stop living in fear and start living how? In faith. And when you think about this, this story that God gives us in the scriptures, all the way from Genesis to Revelation, it's a story about faith and fear. Because if you go back to the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, you read about this time that, that Adam and Eve disobey God, and their response is to hide from God. And when God says, Adam, why are you hiding? What does he say? Because I was afraid. The first emotion mentioned in the Bible is fear. Now, why is Adam afraid? Well, because he's afraid God will know what he did, afraid that he's going to lose his relationship with God, afraid that God is going to punish him because God said, you know, if you disobey me, you will surely what? You will surely die. And what is true of Adam is true of us, that our disobedience has separated us from a holy God. And God said, I'm holy and just. I can't deny who I am, so I have to punish your disobedience. And the punishment is to die and to be separated forever. And Adam, it's just an amazing thought. When Adam realized the predicament that he was in, that he could do nothing to save himself, his heart was filled with what? It was fear. And I believe that's an appropriate response. When we understand the bad news of the Bible, that we're sinners, that we can't save ourselves, that we justly deserve God's punishment. I love the hymn, Amazing Grace. How many of you are familiar with the lyrics of Amazing Grace? You know, one of the verses says this, "'Twas grace that taught my heart to fear." Kind of a strange statement, isn't it? But it was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fear relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first, what? Believed when I came to faith, because faith relieved what? Relieve my fear, and that's what God wants, and that's why Jesus came. In the Christmas story, the angel appears to the shepherds. What are the first two words that the angel says to the shepherds who are terrified? Fear, fear not. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that was the purpose of Jesus coming to our world, to save us, to restore our relationship with God, and that's why Jesus, who's fully God and fully man, lives a perfect life, goes to a cross, dies in our place so that we can be forgiven and offers us a new life so that we can no longer live in fear but live in faith. There's a very short but powerful verse in the New Testament that talks about the life of a Christian. And this is what it says in the book of 2 Corinthians. We live how? We live by faith, by faith, not by sight. And that brings us to this next question on your outline. Okay, well, how does living by faith change your life? How does it change your life? Well, first of all, and this is such an important principle, faith sees in advance what can be accomplished with God's power. Faith sees in advance what can be accomplished with God's power. Look at this statement about faith. It's in the 11th chapter of Hebrews, which is all about faith. Now, faith is confidence 
and what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Because faith doesn't just see what is. Faith sees what can be because of the power of God. I was looking at some photographs about our building project here at the church. And I thought, this is a great example of seeing in advance what God has planned to do. Here's a, a picture. This was on the um, side of the road here on Boynton Beach Boulevard. And it says, do you see what it says? Future home of Boynton Beach Community Church. When this sign went up, there was no church building. There was just a vacant field. I remember I used to come on this property and I would sit in a pile of dirt about where you're sitting right here in the middle. And my wife, Chris, and I would sit there and we would pray and we would look around and we would dream of a day when there would be a building filled with people hearing the good news about Jesus. Well, guess what? That's happening right here, right now. And that's because faith sees in advance what God can do because of his power. Here's some more pictures. I just want to share a couple. Um, they brought back some really good memories. This is when the, the crane arrived. I still remember this day. And, and the tilt wall starting to go up. I remember when my wife took this picture it's right out front here. And I was just looking out and thinking about the people that would walk through these doors. People who needed to hear there was hope that their lives could be different by trusting Jesus. And here's one more picture. This is an aerial view after we completed the first phase of our building project. Do you see the grassy field? Kids used to play football there. But what's there right now? Yeah, children's classroom space. But again, church, this is so important. Faith doesn't just see what is. Faith sees what can be because of the power of God. Now think about your own life this morning. Think about your, your marriage, if you're, if you're married this morning. When you look at your marriage, do you, do you just see what is or do you see what can be because of the power of God? Do you see the kind of relationship you could have if you and your spouse are willing to really, really love each other and forgive each other and support each other and encourage one another just as God says we should? I mean, what could your marriage be? Or how about this? Think about your finances. You know, during the month of December, people are going, oh man, it's Christmas. I know I'm going to spend too much money and then I'm getting all the bills in January. Often in December, there are financial fears. What about my job? What about next year? What about retirement? What about hospital bills? What if you were able to look at your finances and be completely unafraid because you trusted God? And see, here's the thing. When you trust God, you do what God says in his word. I mean, what would it look like if you looked at your finances and said, you know, I can see a day when I'm out of debt. I can see a day when I don't live under constant financial pressure. Do you just see what is or do you see what can be because of the power of God? And even this, when you look in the mirror at yourself, who do you see? Do you just see your faults and your flaws and your failures and your shortcomings and how you've messed up in the past? Or do you look in the mirror and go, you know what, I see who I can be because of God's power in my life. Because that's what fearless faith does. Now here's something else. Faith takes risks and accomplishes great things for God. Faith takes risks and accomplishes great things for God. There was a pastor, his name's Charles Spurgeon. And one time near the end of his life, he called his sons together and he said this, Boys, if God be your partner, make your plans big. It's good advice, isn't it? We have a big God. A God who calls us to take risks in faith to accomplish great things for him. I was thinking about Joseph, one of the central characters in the Christmas story. 
he's pledged to be married to this young woman that he dearly loves. And Mary says, hey, Joseph, I'm pregnant. He knows he's not the father. Can you imagine the crisis of faith that he must have experienced? I mean, this is really remarkable what happens. He's trying to figure out what to do, and he he still loves Mary, so he's decided, I'm just going to divorce her. Now, in the Jewish culture, engagement was so serious, you didn't just walk away. You had to get a divorce to annul the engagement, and that's what he's decided to do. But look how the story continues. It says this in Matthew chapter 1. But when he had considered this, considered a divorce, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, and notice his next phrase, do not be what? Do not be afraid, Joseph, to take Mary home as your wife. And here's why. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, why would Joseph be afraid to take Mary home as his wife? Well, that's pretty straightforward because of what people would think and what people would say and what people would do. I mean, this could ruin his reputation, ruin his business, ruin his life. But what does he do? He trusts God. He doesn't understand completely what's going on, but he says, God, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to take Mary home as my wife. And church, for us, what a lesson. Because there are times that we encounter a crisis of faith. You know, things happen that that we don't understand, things that are really painful. You know, sometimes God allows pain and suffering and illness to come into our lives or the lives of those we love, and we go, God, what is going on? God, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to believe. God says, I want you to believe that I'm God, that I care about you, that I'm control of your life. And do you remember that verse we talked about as we began the service, that, that verse from Proverbs? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. That's what God wants. He wants us to trust him even when we don't understand, even when we can't figure it out because when we do, you know what God does? He steps in and he says, okay, here's the next step you need to take. And then the next step and the next step. That's revealed to us when we trust God completely. And that brings us to another, another way that living by faith really changes our lives. The third thing, faith refuses to quit even when prayers remain unanswered. Faith refuses to quit even when prayers remain unanswered. I was looking through the building pictures and I, I saw this um, series of pictures from something we did here we had people come to this room when the walls were up and write the names of people that they wanted to pray for on the walls. Does some of you remember that? You know, I remember that so clearly because my wife Chris and I, we went over here under the screen to your left near this door and we wrote the names of, of people that we wanted to pray for. We wanted them to trust Jesus and we wanted God to step into their lives, friends, family, uh, people in our church family. What's so interesting is that I was thinking those names are still there. They're covered up with paint. They're covered up with plaster, but God can still see those people's names, the names that you wrote down. And I'll tell you what, I have not ceased to pray for the people on that wall right there. But I know this, that one of the greatest challenges to our faith is when our prayers remain unanswered. I've had conversations with people, and this is kind of an ongoing thing because of my role as a pastor, talking to people about unanswered prayer. And I've had people say, you know, Pastor Dudley, I, I've tried to pray, but I, I'm done. God doesn't hear me. God doesn't answer me. I haven't seen him do a single thing. And you know what? Not only that, 
this is, this is what really just amazes me. I have friends, I have family members, and they pray, and God answers them, but he doesn't answer me. I guess I'm not his favorite. How do you respond to that? Because there are times when God chooses to wait. When God chooses not to answer yet. I was thinking about this book and how God gives us answers to so many questions here. Hebrews chapter 11 is this hero's hall of faith. All these people who live by faith and God did amazing things in their lives. And it says this in verse 32. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell about Gideon and Samson and David and Samuel who through the prophets and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, gained what was promised, who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, who escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. And at this point, we feel like saying, man, that's what I'm talking about. Faith wins. But you keep reading Hebrews chapter 11, and you realize that not everybody is cheering. It says there were others who were tortured. I was thinking about the message a few weeks ago about persecution of Christians around the world. When they read this chapter of the Bible, they go, yeah, that's me. That's me. And it goes on, it says, some faced jeers and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. Some were put to death by stoning. Some were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. And this is what the Bible says about these people. It says, these all were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. That's an amazing statement. These are people who, who believed that God could be trusted. They believed that he was faithful, but they never saw the answer to their prayers in their lifetime. So what did they do? They kept on trusting God. And listen, this may be a very personal thing for you this morning, this this issue of unanswered prayer. I've been praying for years, for decades, for people that I love deeply. And I haven't seen God do a thing. But I believe that even though I don't see God do a thing, he still can be working. God sees things that I cannot and do not see. And so the question is, what do you do? And this would be my advice. If you're struggling with that, if you've stopped praying, if you're having a hard time praying, listen, get back on your knees and you keep praying and don't give up because that's what Jesus would say. If you went to Jesus and said, what do I do, Jesus? I know what he would say because it's right there in Luke chapter 18. Keep praying and don't give up. And I've come to realize this, that as I pray about situations, as I pray for people, I may see God answer those prayers in my lifetime, but I also may see God answer my prayers beyond my lifetime because that's what this is about in Hebrews chapter 11. People died in faith. Did God keep his promise? Absolutely. Did he send a savior? Yes. Did they see it in their lifetime? No. Because here's the thing. I, when I talk to God, I say, okay, God, here's what I desire. Okay, I really want to see you answer this while I'm still here on the earth. But I realize that you could wait and it could be your plan that I see the answer to my prayer when I'm finally home in heaven. Think about that kind of perspective because that will enable you to keep on praying and not give up because we do have a God who can be trusted. He is a good, good father who has the wisdom and the power and the love to accomplish his plan in the lives of his children. And what does he want us to do? 
trust him with all of our heart and keep praying and not give up. And so here's the question. Man, I, I hear you, Pastor Dudley. I want that kind of life. I want that kind of faith. How can I develop that kind of fearless faith? I'm glad you asked. Because I'd like to point out some really practical ways to do that. And here is the first. Get to know God better and better. Get to know God better and better. Let me ask you this. Think about all the people in your life. What one person do you trust the most? Maybe it's the person you're sitting next to this morning. At first service, my wife Chris was sitting on the front row and I said, there's the person I trust more than anybody else in this wide world. Why do I trust her? Because I know her. We've known each other for a long, long time. We've known each other since we were kids. We've been married a long time. I know that she loves me. She's proved that over and over again. I know that she wants what's best for me. The simple principle is this. The better you know someone, the more you will trust them. Isn't that true? Why do parents um, teach their kids about stranger danger? You can't trust people you don't know. But see, it's just the same way in a relationship with God. If you don't know God very well, you can't trust him very much. But if you know God really well, you can trust him more and more. Look at this verse. This is from, from 2 Peter. It says this. His divine power, God's divine power, has given us everything we need for a godly life. How? Through our knowledge of him, our knowledge of God, who called us by his own glory and goodness. So listen, if you want to live a life in faith rather than in fear, what's something you can do? Get to know God better and better. So how do you do that? Well, God reveals himself to us in a number of ways. And I'm just going to walk through these very quickly. The first is this. God reveals himself to us through the things that he's made. Now, how many of you like to watch storms? You can raise your hand. I love storms. I love lightning and thunder because they remind me that we have a God who is incredibly what? Powerful. The Bible talks about that. When you see the, the thunder and the lightning, you're reminded that God is a God of awesome power. What about this? Um, sunsets. How many of you like to watch a beautiful sunset? One Sunday, um, my wife Chris and I, we drove all the way to the West Coast after church to watch the sunset. And we got there just as the sun was touching the water, and it was unbelievable how beautiful it was. What does that tell me about God? God is an artist. God is beautiful. See, God makes things that will reveal things about his nature. And the Bible tells us that in the book of Romans. You know, one of the things that I really enjoy is science. Uh, my background's actually in science and in biology. And that's what I studied before I was a pastor. Um, and then I got involved in studying medicine. And I love to learn about the human body because the human body is fascinating. It is incredibly complex. And think about this. If God is able to plan and design your body, can you trust him to plan and design your life? Or how about this? You know, you watch those shows on TV about the universe and your head's about to explode because they talk about how many gazillion stars and galaxies there are, and you, I can't even wrap my mind around this. This was created by God. And here's the thing. If God is, is wise enough and powerful enough to run the universe, can you trust him to run your life? And here's, here's the interesting thing. God doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just say, hey, just look, at, look at the stuff I made, and then you'll know about me. God wants us to know his heart to renew our relationship, and that's why he gave us this book that we call the Bible. This is essentially a love story. Do you realize that? It's about God's love for his people, including you and me. Because think about this. When God makes Adam and Eve, 
it's like this giant, you know, experiment. Will these people use free will to love me and obey me or disobey me? What's going to happen? What do they choose? They choose to disobey God. You know, God could have said, that's it, I'm done. I'm walking away. Is that what God does? No. He pursues Adam and Eve. He makes a promise. Listen, I know you're going to leave the Garden of Eden, but one day a baby is going to be born pointing to the day that Jesus would arrive who will make it possible for our relationship to be restored. And then as you start reading through the Old Testament, what do God's people do? They disobey him over and over again. And God doesn't walk away. He could, but he pursues them. He sends them into exile, he brings them home. He sends them into exile, he brings them home. And that's what Christmas is about. God is continuing to pursue his people. He comes to our world. That's why Jesus is born as a baby and he grows up and, and he becomes one of us. It's a love story revealing the very heart of God. And, and I love the parts of the Bible where we see Jesus in action. You know, the, the Bible is divided into different sections. The first four books in the New Testament are called the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are the um, biographies of Jesus. And I love to read this part of the Bible again and again because when you, when you hear these stories about Jesus, that's God. I mean, when you read about Jesus taking these little kids and putting them on his lap and, you know, blessing them, that's God holding those little kids. When, when you see the story of Jesus, when you read the story of Jesus touching the eyes of a blind man or, or putting his hands on a guy who's a social outcast because he has leprosy, you see the compassionate heart of God. When you see Jesus beside the, the tomb of his friend Lazarus crying his eyes out, it's God. And that shows me how much God weeps over us, how much he loves us. In fact, think about it, probably the best known verse in the whole Bible is what? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave what? His one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal what? Life. A life lived in faith, not in fear. And church, that's what God wants for you and that's what God wants for me. And here's, here's what I want to recommend to you. Strongly recommend. If you want that kind of life, if you want to get to know God better and better, then do this. Three words. Are you ready? Nod your head if you're ready. Read the book. Seriously. I've studied this book for years. I continue to study this book. You know why? Because it reveals to me the heart of God and it helps my faith in God grow. Because the kind of life that I aspire to is one where I trust God with all my heart and I let go of my fear. And church, that's the kind of life that I want for each one of you as well. Now here's another way. Well, let me just say this. This is important. Um, some of you, when you get to the end of the year and you, know, you get ready for January, you set goals. I encourage you to make this a goal for 2019. Read the book. The whole book. Uh, it's like the, uh, the pastor who's talking to somebody in his church and the person says, you know, pastor, I believe this book from cover to cover. And the pastor says, well, that's good. Have you read it from cover to cover? That's an important question. So I encourage you to read the book so that you can get to know God better and better. Here's another way to develop your faith. faith. Exercise the faith that you have. Exercise the faith that you have. Look at this verse in the book of James. In the same way, Faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is what? Is what? It's dead. It's useless. Doesn't do you any good at all. Now, there's a, a story. And again, you know, God gave us the stories so that we can learn about faith. But there's a story about Peter. And it's um, a story when there's a, a storm on the Sea of Galilee. 
and the disciples are in a boat. It's not a very big boat. And they look and they see this, they think it's a ghost walking on the water. And Jesus goes, hey, don't be afraid. It's me. And Peter says, well, Jesus, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you on the water. And Jesus says, essentially, well, come on, Peter. Now, some of you know the story, right? What does Peter do? He, yeah, he gets out of the boat. Now, what kind of, what kind of faith would you call that? Crazy faith, right? What's this guy thinking? He can walk on water? Well, yes, exactly what he's thinking. Because Jesus called him out of the boat. And this is, this is such a helpful story for me personally, and I hope for you. You know, he's got this fearless faith, and he steps out of the boat, and he starts to do what? To do the impossible, to walk on water. How long did his faith last? <laughs> Not very long. Because he, he starts, instead of looking at Jesus, he starts looking at the wind of the waves, and what, where does he go? He goes down. And what does Jesus do? See you, Peter. You guys got 11 disciples now. No, he reaches down and he, and he pulls them up and he goes, oh, Peter, you have little what? Faith. Peter, you could have done it if you'd kept your eyes on me. And, and I, was, I was thinking about that this week. Um, when we go through really hard times in our lives, where do we need to keep our eyes? On Jesus. I was walking through the room here and I shared this with somebody between services. I was right by the exit doors, and I'm standing there doing this. And there was somebody on our staff that walks over and goes, what are you doing? I said, I'm keeping my head up and my eyes on Jesus. <laughs> and that's how I remind myself. Because I will tell you what, if I don't keep my head up and my eyes on Jesus, I'm not going to make it. But if I do keep my eyes up and I do keep my eyes on Jesus, God will give me the faith to take the next step and the next step and to keep pursuing his purpose and his plan for my life. And that's true for all of us. So I pray that you will do that, that you will exercise the faith that you have. And listen, you know, when we... Um, Stand up here and go, hey, you know, we need you to serve in the nursery. We need you to serve in, in this ministry. We need help with Christmas Eve or invite your friends to Christmas Eve. What does it take to step out and do that? It takes faith. So if you want to have a stronger faith, exercise the faith you have. And here's the thing. Looking back, some of you could tell some incredible stories of faith. Isn't that true? You trusted God and God came through and God did the impossible and you've seen that. And that happened in Peter's life too. I think that Peter was forever changed because he stepped on the water and took a few steps and did what was impossible and he knew God can do this. That's what happens when you exercise your faith. You have a track record with God. You can look back and say, hey, God came through then. He's gonna come through now. That's why you need to exercise your faith. And here's the last thing. Hey, ask God to give you more faith. Ask God to give you more faith. Pastor Phil is doing a Bible study in the book of Mark. And Mark is the first biography of Jesus. And there's a story in Mark chapter 9 about this dad. And he's got a son who's possessed by some evil spirit. And he goes to the disciples and he says, Hey, can you heal my son? And they can't do it. So they enlist Jesus' help. And the father says to Jesus, Hey, um, would you please help us if you can? Now this is my paraphrase. I can imagine Jesus saying, are you kidding me? If I can, if, if I can, don't you realize that everything is possible for the one who believes? And then the father says the most honest thing to Jesus. He says, Lord, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. 
That's what we need to pray. God, look, I got some faith, but I got some doubt. God, there's things that I can't, I can't let go of. Help me to let go of them. Help me to trust you completely. God, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Ask God to give you more faith. And, and church, I want to do this this morning. I want to give us an opportunity to talk to God and to hear from God. Now, prayer is a two-way street. You realize that? We don't just talk to God. He talks to us. How does God talk to us? Through his word and through his spirit. And so I want to do this in just a minute. There are two questions that I want you to think about with me. And here's the first. Dear God, what do I need to believe today? You think about what's happening in your life. The challenges, the fears, the problems. What is it you need to believe about God? What promises of God do you need to hold on to right now? And here's the follow-up question to consider. Dear God, what do I need to do today? Because faith always leads to action. So when you think about the question, okay, God, what do I need to believe? Maybe right now, as you face these challenges in your life, what you need to believe is that God has promised that he will be with you. You need to believe that God is for you, that God will never leave you or forsake you. Maybe you need to believe God's going to give me the wisdom to figure this out. God has the love and wisdom and power to accomplish his purpose. This could actually work out for my good and for God's glory. What do you need to believe about God? And secondly, what do you need to do? You know, maybe there's a situation where you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask God for forgiveness. Maybe you need to ask for help. Maybe what you need to do is start praying again or to keep praying and not give up, believing that God will come through in his way and in his time. So church, let's do this. Could I just ask you to bow your heads? Because I want to lead us in a time of prayer. I want you to just ask God that question right now. Dear God, what is it that I need to believe? What promise from you, from your word, do I need to believe right now? Just ask God that question and, and listen for his spirit's response. And now if you do this, just say, dear God, what is it that you want me to do? What is the step of faith that you're calling me to take? Father, I'm really thankful that you want us to live in faith and not in fear. Father, I'm really thankful that you are a God who really can be trusted. And Lord, you know that some of us today are just so tired of being afraid all the time. And God, we really do want to learn to live in faith, but we need you to help us do that. Father, I pray for the person this morning who is realizing for the first time that they've never put their faith in Jesus. They've been trying to somehow make it on their own. And listen, if that's you, then you can just talk to God this morning. You can tell him in your own words, God, I, I realize I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. I, I believe that Jesus died for my sins and came back to life, and I want to follow Jesus. I want to stop living in fear and start living in faith. And Father, I know that you always hear that prayer. You always run to meet us. And I pray, God, 
for us as, as a church. Lord, deepen our faith, strengthen our faith. Help us to get to know you better so we can trust you more. And Father, I want to say this. Some of us right now are going through things and we don't have any idea how it's going to work out and our hearts are filled with fear. And some of us, God, have prayed over and over again and it seems like our prayers are unanswered, but God, would you do this? Would you give us the faith to keep on praying? Give us the faith not to give up. Lord God, today we know that the world is broken, that we're broken, that, that God, things are not the way they're supposed to be, but you said, God, you said that one day Jesus would come back and change all that. Would you give us the faith to believe you, the faith to trust you with all our hearts? And God, help us right now to believe this incredible story that you're writing in our lives, the story of your amazing love.